Microsoft Teams is helping Priority Bicycles transform the way they work. After closing their New York City showroom, they started doing virtual visits on Teams. And now people from all over the world can come into their showroom. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Breeze end zone. He hit it. 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there. He'll be there. And he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. It's nice to have Jim McMahon with us, the quarterback of the Super Bowl champion Bears on the 35th anniversary of that great team from, from the 80s. And Jim, when you when you have a chance to reflect uh, on that team, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, the characters that we had on that team. Uh, not only were they great football players, but uh, they liked to have a lot of fun, and, and we certainly did that. Which of those characters would you say you were the closest to at the time? I, I know you've kept in touch over the years with any in particular. Uh, well, most, most of my linemen for sure, uh, Kurt Becker, uh, him, him and I were roommates for quite a few years. Keith Van Horn. I see, I still see Jimbo Covert, uh, every once in a while. Uh, Jay Hilgenberg, of course. Uh, yeah, it's always nice to see those guys. I haven't seen them probably in a, a year or whenever they had the hundred year anniversary for the bears. That's when I saw most of them last. Yeah. And, and you as the punky QB that had that label, uh, for a lot of reasons, which we can, we can talk about, uh, did, did you like that? I know that was you didn't name yourself that, but did you like that moniker? No, I, I really didn't. I, you know, I, I cut my hair, uh, gave myself a bad haircut one training camp, and it it, uh, it was sort of sort of a mohawk look. But uh, and from then on, I, I, I became a punk rocker all of a sudden. And uh, and then the punky QB was 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 put in that uh, the Super Bowl shuffle. And you know, I didn't write the lyrics, so I've had to live with it. Uh, you know, that thing won't go away, but it's, you know, people still bring it up and they, they still laugh about it. Yeah. Well, now you're, you're what, a wise, <clears throat> uh, battered citizen of the world. Uh, is that how we would describe the Jim McMahon of today? Well, yeah, I'll be 62 this year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty old. And like I said, I, I'm going to need foot surgery here soon. Uh, I thought I was done with my surgeries, but I guess not. Uh, how many have you had? Yeah, I'm just, uh, uh, this will be uh, 19, I believe. 19 or 20. 19 surgeries. Wow. And you're yeah. still golfing. Still? Well, I'm out there. I wouldn't call it golf the way it is right now. It <laughs> sucks. So, but yeah, uh, I still, yeah. still enjoy being out there. <laughs> it's good. Sometimes you have barefoot, sometimes in, in sandals. Let's go back to the to the characters of that team. Uh, I guess we, we like to use the word chemistry in, in sports, and we, we can go through. So how, were you, how would you describe that with that particular team? Well, it was actually two different teams, you know, that we had, it was an offense and there was a defense, uh, you know, Buddy Ryan ran the defense, Ditka ran the offense and it was, it was pretty much, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a whole lot of fun during practice. I mean, we had, we were in pads every day. We had every, every, uh, situation was a live situation. Uh, so we basically played, you know, four games a week. We played Wednesday, Thursday, Friday against our defense and then we'd have to play on Sunday and, uh, it was not a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we beat the hell out of each other in practice. It's amazing. We won so many games after, after beating each other up for, you know, the, the seven years that I was there. So was it almost more fun on, on Sunday when, when you weren't beating each other up, when you got to beat somebody else up? Yeah. Sunday was actually, you know, the easy day of the week. You know, most, most of those teams didn't want to face our defense. And we, we had to face them every day. Like I said, three, 
three times a week. And yep. uh, Friday was uh, Friday was our goal line and short rim, uh, goal line and short yardage uh, scrimmage, live scrimmage. And uh, you know there was always fights. I mean, our practices lasted you know over three hours because you know we were they were fighting pretty much every play. And uh, <laughs> so you're you know they the defensive guys would yell to Buddy, "Hey, they're cutting us." Buddy say, "Well, do they cut you in the game?" Yeah, then deal with it. You know that's that's the kind of attitude that they had. Were you more comfortable with Buddy Ryan than than Mike Ditka? I, I got along with I got a lot of, <laughs> with both of them. You know, up to a certain point. Uh, you know, Buddy Buddy always treated me well. You know, he, he was not a big fan of uh, offensive football players, but uh, right. he always treated me well. Uh, I think because he had coached with a coach that I had at Brigham Young by the name of Doug Scoville. And I think those two had coached somewhere and Doug called him and said, look, this guy can play. And, and buddy had always, you know, like I said, from day one, treated me, treated me good. And when I left Chicago, uh, I was in San Diego. We played the Eagles. I saw buddy before the game and, uh, you know, we ended up beating them that day. And so the very next year I, he calls me and said, Hey, you can beat our defense. Come play for me. So. Uh, that's where I ended up for the next three years was in Philly, but only one of them with Buddy. And then I joined Buddy again in uh, 94 here in Arizona with the Cardinals. And uh, <laughs> it was another brutal year. But uh, I knew when when I was out here playing that I that, uh, this is the place I wanted to live when I was done because, you know, the the uh, the weather, the, you know, the, the humidity, there is no humidity. Well, getting a little bit now, but, uh, you know, the, the warm weather on this body feels a hell of a lot better than the humidity and the cold. Yeah, a body after after 19 surgeries. Uh, I do want to go back that 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 Bears team. Um, is that would you say? And I know it's coming from you that that the best team ever in in NFL history for for one season. Now we know the Dolphins had a perfect season in a Super Bowl year, but some can argue about dominance. But what, what's your thought on that? Well, I think we were pretty good for that four year stretch. You know, we had we we went to three NFC Championship games in five years. Uh, you know, people forget that we. You know, the year after we won the Super Bowl, we were 14 and two. You know, it wasn't like we fell off the earth. You know, we just unfortunately had, had really bad days in the playoffs at home. You know, we had home field advantage four straight years and just didn't, didn't get it done. And that's, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty sad. And I, I, I attribute that to, to being tired towards the end of the season. Like I said, after beating each other up for, you know, the, tr- from training camp all the way through the season, I mean, that takes its toll, you know, and then, then you got to get on the line and, and run 100 yard sprints until, you know, Mike gets tired of blowing the whistle. And so, uh, yeah, that, I think we just got tired towards the end there. The end of uh, the time you, of, of mine in Chicago. Yeah, that, interesting that you would think of. Uh, that's what I, I think great players do or athletes, coaches. They think of the ones that got away. You know, they should have won more. Uh, but but in that singular season, uh, you you had some, at least the reputation of when Ditka would call one thing, you would you would go with what you felt. Let's just say you didn't you didn't go with the play that was was called necessarily. How how accurate? How often did that happen? Uh, it depended on the games. Uh, sometimes a lot. Sometimes hardly at all. You know, I didn't do it just to just to change the play to piss him off. That's what he thought I was doing. Uh, you know, I was I was taught in college that if you if you see something that you can exploit on the defense, do it. And I had the freedom to do that. And so when I got to the pros, I didn't feel I need to be shackled. I mean, I, I knew what the hell I was doing. I could. I could figure out defenses. That wasn't the tough problem. The problem was the uh, offensive line at the time was, you know, when I first got there, it was not real good. And so uh, yeah, it, it took it took a while to, uh, 
you know, get that line shored up. And then, you know, we were pretty damn good from 84 to uh, 88. We were pretty good. Was that, was there a situation in that, in that uh, Super Bowl season where uh, you wanted to get Walter Payton or help him get a hundred yard game? Uh, I think he was going for his ninth straight, maybe if I have this right and, and pass plays were called, but you, you made it a point to, Hey, but we're going to get it to, to Walter so he can get, and, and was that against the Dolphins? Right. It was, it was the Monday night game that we lost. Uh, you know, I was I was informed like the night before the game that I wasn't starting, and that kind of irritated me because I had practiced. I missed one day of practice. I had sprained my ankle the week before, so I missed I think Wednesday. I practiced Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then uh, we get down to Miami. We were out, you know, uh, Saturday night uh, just doing the, uh, you know, your pregame stuff, and he tells me I'm not going to play, and I'm like, what? Why? Why? He goes, oh, because you missed Wednesday's practice. I said, oh, okay. No problem. You know, I, I didn't really care at this point. We're already 12 and 0. We're in the playoffs. We have home field advantage. Uh, we're in Miami. So I'm thinking, you know, it's late. It's in December. So I'm going to go enjoy uh, Miami, and uh, which I did. And But the next night, I knew I wasn't going to play, and he made that clear. So I said, okay, I'm not going to bother him like I did, um, you know, earlier in the season up in Minnesota, uh, where I just bugged the hell out of him until he finally put me in. But I didn't say a word to him that night. And things, you know, things just were not going right for us that night. You know, we had balls bouncing off our guys' heads, going for touchdowns. And we got down early, and we started to throw the, throw the ball. And, uh, you know, we, we were not a throwing football team. Uh, and they, I think they had the worst rush defense in the league that year. And so I think if Walter Purdy could have ran for about over 300 yards, I think, that night, if they had just fed him the ball. But uh, so my, my uh, goal was to get him his record. And, you know, I was just trying to – you know, keep track in my head kind of you know, how many yards he had. And then all of a sudden, about six minutes to go, Dickens decides to put me in the game. And uh, at first I was like, no, I'm, you told me I'm not playing. He says, get your ass in the game. So when I was getting ready to go in the game, I'm, I'm thinking he's got between 75, 80 yards, something like that. And so um, Ditka grabs me and says, all right, this is what we're going to do. And he gives me a pass play. And so I, got, I get into the uh, huddle. I said, look, boys. I said, this game doesn't mean a damn thing. I said, we're already in the playoffs. Uh, we have home field advantage. I said, let's get this man the record that he deserves. And they all looked at me and said, yeah, let's do it. And so as I was, as I was coming up to the line of scrimmage, I looked over at the sidelines, and he knows I didn't call that pass play. So he's screaming and yelling, throwing things. And uh, I give it to Walter. I think he got you know, 10, 15 yards. You know, they're only rushing three at this point dropping eight. So there's a lot of running, running room. And so, but I didn't realize we had another timeout. So I had to go deal with Mike on the sidelines and he's MFing me up and down, you know, what are you doing? I told you that. I said, look, look, Mike, we're not, we're not a passing team. You know, we don't have anything on our pass offense that gets us that many yards that we just got. And I said, now Walter only needs about maybe 10 yards for his record. And, you know, he looked at me like I was, I had lost my mind. You know? And then he finally realized, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, We'll get him his record, but first we're going to do this. And so he gives me another pass play. And uh, I get back in the huddle. I said, boys, it's really going to hit the fan now, but we're going to run this thing again. And uh, they all just started laughing. He said, let's go. And I called another run to Walter. And now I look over and he's, he, he threw his clipboard. And I, I think he tried to throw his headset, but they're, you know, stuck to his waist. So they, I think they bounced back and hit him. And, I'm laughing as I'm giving the ball to Walter and uh, he got another 10, 12 yards, whatever it was. And I said, okay, now let's try to win the game. But uh, 
he got his record, and uh, you know we weren't going to win that game anyway. Microsoft Teams is helping Priority Bicycles reinvent the way they work. When the pandemic hit, the bike shop had to close their New York City showroom. They found a way to reopen by doing virtual visits on Teams. Now the team can meet with two or three times the number of customers than they could before. And now people from all over the world can come into their showroom. Learn more about their story and others at Microsoft.com slash Teams. The idea of a, of a perfect season, or at least staying undefeated, that wasn't on your mind? Well, at that point, no. I mean... With six minutes to go, we're down 14. I mean, you know, like I said, they're, they're dropping eight guys. We're not going to get a whole lot okay. of – there's not a whole lot of things going on. But uh, it would have been great to be undefeated, you know. Like, But, you know, winning the Super Bowl was the goal, and that's that's what we did. Right. It was a, a great accomplishment with all those characters. So you, you're rebellious – you were kind of a rebellious guy anyway, right? Is that accurate or, or no? Or did you become more rebellious in that, in that role? Well, I don't know if it was rebellious or just questioning questioning authority. Um, okay. Why is why is a certain way the right way to do things? Um, just because they've done it for you know twenty thirty years as their as their coaches, but you know there's there's certain things that I, I just didn't understand or didn't agree with, and uh, okay. you know so I would I would voice an opinion or I'd say why or, or just you know give my another another way. Of, looking at it you know right so the characters you played with any more uh, uh unusual than any other i mean you had such an interesting from the fridge uh, we talk about coach ditkin buddy ryan walter payton of course and talk about your lineman uh we go through the defense who was the who was the craziest of, of the characters other than you <laughs> at 85 oh probably steve mcmichael i mean steve was uh he was a great teammate a lot of fun uh, I had, I just heard some unfortunate news about him. I, I, I don't know if it's come out yet, so I'm not going to say anything, but, uh, just, I uh, know my prayers are with him and his family right now, but, okay. uh, yeah, he was probably the nuttiest, nuttiest guy that I've, I've ever played with. He, he just, uh, he was out there. He was fun. Yeah. Well, and, and you and your personality, by the way, is there a quarterback today that, that reminds you at all of you, either the way you played or, or your style? I know it's a different era. Did anybody come to mind when you watch today? Well, I don't watch, so yeah, yeah. there's there's other things there's other things to do. I've been out twenty twenty four years now, so yeah, uh, yeah. I just I keep up with friends that are still coaching. You know, Ron Rivera, another teammate of mine, right. is still coaching. Right. I think Leslie Fraser is still coaching. Uh, Andy Reid mm-hmm. has done a hell of a job in KC. Yeah. Uh, they're probably going to win yeah. it again. But uh, yeah, these are the guys I, I you know check the check the scores on ESPN like most people, and that's about it. Uh, you know, if I'm happen to be sitting in a restaurant or a bar and there's a game on, I'll, I'll probably look at it a little bit. But yeah, yeah. it doesn't uh, doesn't interest me anymore. Yeah, the, the the but the magnitude back then before we had the kind of social media television exposure to the degree we have today that that '85 Bears game. I mean, they the coaches on Saturday Night Live. You had the video. Uh, it, it was really uh, you were more than a Chicago team. I mean, I know what you did for Chicago was great, but you, you guys became a national treasure in a sense. Unless they were beating your you know your hometown team, they 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 gravitated to, to you guys. You think it was because of the personalities and the and the success? What do you think it was? Oh yeah, they they enjoyed seeing us, you know, seeing our faces off the field, you know, without helmets on. You know, a lot of guys had their own uh, radio or TV shows. Like you said, we did a lot of commercials. 
And people just saw a different side of, of players that they usually don't get to see. And uh, it was, thank God I got to do a lot of commercials because <laughs> I had four kids I had to put through college. And I'm getting my last one married off here in April. So now I've got five grandkids. So I, I needed to, I needed that little extra money. The Bears certainly oh, grandfather. <laughs> yeah, different economics then. You know, I, that's the other thing, Jim. The story of people to wear on the sunglasses, the shades to be, I don't know, cool or, or whatever, or part of that bunky QB. Can you, can you tell the story? I had heard, obviously it was a, an eye injury when you were a youth, but what exactly happened there? And that's, and you actually wore them for light sensitivity, if I have that right. Yeah, I was uh, six years old. I was playing after school, I think it was, with my brothers. <clears throat> we were playing Cowboys and Indians. We didn't have any Xbox or you know all the stuff they have now. <laughs> and uh, obviously, I was a cowboy that day because I had a gun holster on, and you tie the gun holster down around your knee. And uh, when we got done playing, I, I couldn't get the damn knot out of the gun holster. I was messing around, messing around, and I couldn't get it out. So I went into the kitchen, got a fork, came back, sat down in the living room, and I started I got the fork under that the loop there, and I started tugging, tugging, tugging. Bam! All of a sudden, that proves the hand's quicker than the eye because I got two prongs went dead center and then ended up, you know, this way somewhere. You know, it hurt like hell, but I was I was more, you know, shocked at the time and and, and afraid I might have got the, the fork dirty, so I went and cleaned that off. I went and sat back down, and then uh, I was whimpering, you know, crying a little bit. My my mom's like, "What? what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? And I finally, it's, this has probably been an hour or so, and uh, finally told her, and she freaked out like most moms would. And and at the time, uh, my we only had one car. Uh, my I had five other siblings, and my dad was at work with the car. So she called him up, and he, he couldn't get home. I mean, he just had to work. So he, he talked to me on the phone. I said, yeah, I'm going to be, I'll be fine until you get home. Uh, so he gets home later that night, and then... Uh, the rest of the time, I was just sitting there. The eye was constantly, you know, water pouring out. I couldn't really open it because air was, air hurt it. Um, so he takes me, finally gets home, takes me to the doctor or the hospital, and they want to operate right away. And uh, I, they couldn't because I had just eaten something. I don't even know what it was. But they're not going to pump a six-year-old stomach to do an operation. So um, all through the night, my dad was talking to the doctor, just said, you know, pleading with him, please just save his eyeball, whether or not he sees just save the eye. And this is 1965. So this guy did a hell of a job. Uh, they had to yeah. cut out a big part of, or out of the, uh, I believe it's the cornea or what iris, whatever the one that makes your eye dilate. So they cut out most of that. So my eye is basically, you know, when you ever have your eyes checked, you know, they give you those drops and your pupils go huge yeah. and you make, dilate. they make you wear those plastic glasses home. That's how my right eye is always. It, it doesn't, doesn't get smaller. So, wow. uh, but that's the story of the, of that. So I, I grew up with it. I, you know, I, I didn't, I've never really seen out of that eye, I, even though I, my parents paid for prescription glasses all those years, I kept telling them, I don't really see out of it. I don't really use it. Uh, it's mostly closed, especially outside or, or within lights. So I said, I don't need, you know, prescription. And, uh, I would always, I would always memorize the eye chart at the eye doctor, you know, so I could read a, a line that, gave me good enough <laughs> where I could say, okay. Because when he said, all right, put the cup on this side. I, I, I didn't see, I couldn't even see the wall, let alone the damn chart. And uh, so I, I faked my way through it. And then and, and over the years, I just got used to, you know, being a little fuzzy on the right side. That was, that so was my so blind side, really, my, my right side. <laughs> right. Which different, so really a one-eyed 
it's amazing through the years. Really, the vision was you were one-eyed quarterback through Brigham Young, top pick, Super Bowl champion quarterback, and, and were able to, to accomplish all that. And then through the years, the injuries, concussions, and I, I, a little bit of your history, uh, dementia, depression, we've heard about a, a number of things. Some, some other uh, players from that era have, have battled that. Uh, how bad did it get, Jim? Did you actually contemplate suicide at some point in your life post-career oh. uh, because of headaches and frustration? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was in a bad place myself. Uh, I, I happened to be with Dave Dewerson maybe a month before he you know, took his own life. And I, other than him being quieter than he normally was, I, I would have never guessed. But then I started having the same you know, same thoughts and, and, uh, my head was hurting so bad. I would spend weeks in my room in the dark, uh, just watching the ceiling fan go around. And I just, you know, anytime I stood up, it was just, the pressure was so bad. I just said, the hell with it. You know, I just, and now I, I understood it after that, but, uh, thank God these doctors in New York contacted me and, uh, said, Hey, we, we think we know what's going on. Uh, you come back to New York, you're going to have to spend a week and we'll, We'll get you right. So I do. I fly back to New York. I see these guys. They sit me down. They, they explain what they think's going on. And then they put me in the MRI and they, uh, they confirm their beliefs. I had, they, they thought I had some blockages with my spinal flow, spinal fluid flow. And, uh, sure enough, I had, I think three, three different sections of my head was where I was having problems. Uh, your, your atlas bone is supposed to be perpendicular to your spine. Mine was pretty much straight up and down when they first looked at me. Uh, my C6 and 7 were cracked to compress. That means I had a broken neck at some point in my career that, you know, nobody said anything about. Um, there was a, one other place somewhere in my neck or my head that was messed up. So they made a couple adjustments and, and literally within minutes after they first did this, uh, to me, I explained it like I, it felt like a toilet flushing. You, you just, the, the, the pressure just went from the top of my head just out of my body. And it was like unbelievable. And I told the doc, I said, dude, I, you know, my eyes were kind of yellowish and jaundice. I, I wasn't speaking, you know, real well. And uh, everything kind of cleared up. And he goes, well, it, he goes, don't get too excited. He goes, it's probably not going to last because your muscles have been out of whack for so long that it's probably just going to yank it back in. He goes, that's why you're going to be here for a week. And sure enough, that night, sometime during the night, it, it slipped back to where it was and I, I could barely even move. And, uh, so the next morning I get back to the office, they had to actually sedate me so they could, they could, uh, do another adjustment on me. And it's not a manual adjustment. They don't take your head and, and shake it or anything. It, it takes me a longer, longer to, to lay on this chiropractic table and get into the right angle. And then they, they hit a button and I don't know what this thing that it, whether it vibrates the bone into the a right place. I don't know, but, it seems to be working for me. I mean, that's the only thing that seems to help me. I have to go about every three months now, but, uh, you know, at least I have hope. At least I know what's, what's wrong. And I, you know, some doctors want to put a shunt in my brain and, and run the tube down in my stomach. I'm like, no, I don't want to deal with that. I can deal with the, what I have now because at least I know. And as soon as I started having headaches or, you know, uh, and any kind of problems with my head, I call them up, say, doc, I'm on the way. And uh, he's been great. All he wants to do is help people. So I've, I've sent all my friends that, that are having problems to him. And uh, I think he's finally going to start do, working with the NFL, uh, doing some studies with them as well.
And who's the doctor? His name is Scott Rosa. And uh, he's out of, uh, well, I see him in Albany, but his, where is his okay. main room? Scott Rock Rosa. Hill, Rock well, Hill. And, and just, yeah, Rock Hill, New York. Rock Hill, New York, Scott Rosa. I, I Just on, on that subject, uh, when when facing those kind of, I don't know, suicidal thoughts, depression again, now now you come from an area of strength, of hope, and, and, and you obviously can deflect those to move forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, at least now, you know, the instant I start having these headaches, because I, you know, I can go about three months fairly normal. And then all of a sudden, you know, whether I sleep wrong or, or if I turn my head too quickly or if I, you know, somebody just kind of comes by and slaps you on the head, that that can that can knock it out of whack. And so, yeah. but as soon as these problems start, you know, I, with this, all this COVID last year, I mean, that was hell. I, I didn't get to see him for nine months. And uh, he, I went back, I think it was two months ago. He put me back in the MRI. He goes, I probably need a new one. And he goes, I'm glad I did. He says, he goes, you're 30 degrees off the other way now. So, yeah, well, it's uh, it's amazing what they do. And it, like I said, it makes me, yes. you know, go from, you know, almost, uh, you know, like a zombie. I can't, I can't really speak right. or talk or so say, sleep say, or anything. We can say saved your life, right? Is that yeah, accurate? No doubt. Saved your life? Uh, he uh, saved my life thankful. for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, you seem to have, I mean, you've always been kind of candid and uh, carefree, uh, but this is encouraging, at least to this point. In fact, we we, uh, we have a couple of questions before we wrap. Uh, give me five. These are lighter questions where you fill in the blank and um, as as easily as you can. So give me, give me a shot with this before we uh, let you go. Uh, so the first one, uh, the wildest, uh, strangest interaction I ever had with a fan was blank so let's keep we'll keep this a little lighter <laughs> was interaction with a fan oh boy i can't even think of one <laughs> like i said it's been a long time <laughs> well Fans, you said you didn't, didn't like they, they well yeah ask you to sign punky qb yeah those are those are kind of irritating you know or, or <laughs> do you really know the fridge or uh did you play with walter payton yeah Oh really? That's okay. So those are those are some that were uninformed. How about this one? Uh, the most. Uh, the, no, here you go. If I could go on a vacation with any one teammate from those playing days uh, with the Bears, it would be who? <sighs> Probably Kurt Becker. Wow. He was my okay. right. Gu- he was my right guard at the time. Right. And uh, we <laughs> we we were good roommates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you had a good time. Uh, how about this one? If, if I was uh, NFL commissioner for the day, first thing I would do would be what? Uh, get the boys off the pills and let them enjoy some uh, cannabis. Okay, you are. That's right. You are a proponent for uh, for marijuana. And have, have that. Uh, how about this one? The most unusual perk I ever got for being the quarterback of the Super Bowl winning Bears was blank. Uh, probably meeting and being in Calvin Klein's apartment in New York. Oh, okay. All right. There's your style. Uh, in, in my career, final one, if I could change any one thing, it would be what? I would have had surgery right after the first game in 1986. Okay. That's when, I, that's when I first hurt, hurt my shoulder. And then I had, you know, I had problems all year long, not only with the team, with my doctors, with the coach. And you know, here I'm, I was playing with an arm that, you know, was coming in out of the socket every time I moved it. 
And I was yeah. I was very very lucky to be able to play again after after that season. Yeah. yeah. Well, people don't realize you played like 15 years. You had what five other teams? You mentioned some of them other than. Uh, the Bears. You were comeback player of the year in Philadelphia at that time, and you were you had a, you got a second Super Bowl when you went to the rival Packers behind Brett Favre, and you go to the White House when they went, and you wore a Bears jersey, right? Right. Uh, well, I explained to all my teammates. Well, we didn't as as when the Bears won, uh, the space shuttle blew up a couple days right a couple days after the Super Bowl, and so the you know, the country's focus was on that, which was rightfully so. But uh, we just kind of got, you know, moved to the side and we just kept getting further to the side and further. I mean, we never got to go as, as a Chicago Bear team. And so I explained that to all my teammates in Green Bay. I said, look, we didn't get to go. I had to explain a lot of them to the younger guys because they didn't even remember the space shuttle. And, uh, and, and I talked to my, uh, Coach Holmgren as well. And I said, look, this is I said, I'm just going to wear my jersey. And he said he didn't have a problem with it. Uh, the only guy that kind of got upset, I think, was Fritz Sherman. He was our defensive coordinator. And then I realized why is because we had just beat the Rams when I was with Chicago. We had beat the Rams to go to the Super Bowl, and, he, and Fritz was the Rams coordinator. So he di- he didn't like those bad memories yeah. coming back. Did you feel awkward at all, though? The I mean, Bears Packers. I guess at that point, it was more about where you were in your career than the two the tradition of the two teams and the rivalry in the history yeah the rivalry uh was not nothing like it had been when i was with the bears against the packers when uh, uh ditka and uh forrest greg were coaching against each other it got it got pretty ugly in those years and had I, I probably should have went to green bay a couple of years sooner than i did but i just couldn't get over the fact that you know there was such bad blood between us and uh but I'm finally, I'm finally glad I did. Went up there with Coach Holmgren. I thought he was a class guy and uh, got a really nice ring. So I said, you know, played 15 years. with, you know, Got got a ring from both uh, the two oldest teams in the, in the NFL. It's time to go. Well, uh, I appreciate your time and, and your year of playing and, and conversing. Glad you're healthy. So, so hang in there. We wish you the best. And again, on the anniversary of the, the Bears and their great success, we always think of you and, and those good old days. So you take care of yourself. All right, Chris, I appreciate it. But thank you. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. 